You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Peace of Fruit. So, if you look up the word peace, one of the definitions is freedom from disturbance or tranquility. Another one is a state or period in which there is no war or a war has ended. If you look up under that first definition, synonyms, tranquility, calm, calmness, restfulness, peace, and quiet, peacefulness, quiet, quietness, quietude, silence, soundlessness, hush, noiselessness, stillness, still, privacy, privateness, you know, just goes on and on and on. Like, and where do you find that? And you say, well, is there ever going to be peace? The Bible talks about praying for the peace of Jerusalem because things go well for Jerusalem. They go better for a lot of different people. But the Bible says that we wrestle not, also says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. So there's never, ever going to be peace, right? The devil has declared war, steal, kill, destroy. He's after us. So how in the world can you talk about peace? Is there any such thing as peace in the midst of a spiritual war? And to say nothing of the wars that break out among us in relationships, literal wars. You think, well, how can you live in a society, in a country where there's literally war going on and have any peace? So peace is an interesting, it's a, sounds like a powerful word. It's a great thing if you have it, but if you don't, it's catastrophic. Now I've shared this probably before and I'll use this podium as zero. And for your sakes, I'll make this side a hundred and that side negative a hundred. Okay. So this is zero. So from a child, as far back as I can remember, and I don't even know what caused all this anxiety, a lot of fear. I used to bite my nails down to the quick, just constantly nervous, right? And trying to be a happy kid. But I found out when I finally got some peace, I realized that I had lived over here from zero to negative 100 my whole life. So my definition of peace was less, 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 less anxiety, just trying to get to zero because then that felt a little less anxious. I never got to zero and never crossed over in positive territory. So if you say, well, I think I know what you mean by peace, let me tell you something about peace. If you have it, you know you have it. Because when you have not had it, you know what that feels like. And it's a constant attempt to just take deep breaths and not have anxiety attacks. Every once in a while, I'll still have some kind of crazy anxiety attack and just get washed over with fear or something. And you just kind of stop for a minute and go, what in the world is that? I'm not believing that. I'm not doing that. You can't take my joy. You can't take my peace. So if you're like me and you've been living over here on this zero to negative, you need to pay attention because there's a way to cross from zero and get over on the positive side. And I'm not saying there won't be war around you, there won't be conflict, there won't be stress, but it's like that picture, I looked it up again this week, it's a picture of a seaside, water coming over the cliffs, storm, lightning striking in this painting, and in the middle of the painting is this tiny little bird in the cleft of the rock, like nothing's going on. That's peace. That somehow in the midst of the storm, you live saying it's gonna be more than okay. Because it's not that I got this, it's that he's got this. 
Now, in the Old Testament, the word used for peace is shalom. You literally greet each other. The first, you know, you don't say love, you don't say joy, you say shalom, peace. So that you're wanting peace to come to that person. That's how you greet them. The New Testament word is where we get our name Irene, Irene. And we'll look at both of these a little bit. So if your name's Irene, you should have some peace, not just the name. Isaiah 26.3, here we go. You will keep him in perfect peace, what? Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So you say, well, that's simple. That's easy. Perfect peace. But what does that require? You've got to keep your mind stayed on him. You've got to trust in him. You say, well, I don't do that all the time. Then look at your life. Look at the peace scale. Look at how you swing wildly. Or maybe there's no peace at all. Now I'm telling you, he will keep you, because it says in scripture, he will keep you in perfect peace, what? Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Keep your eye on him. You say, well, it can't be that easy. Don't be saying the Bible doesn't work unless you're going to try it. Oh, that can't be true. Oh, okay, that's it. We're just going to say it's not true and not even give it a shot. Spend a day, spend a week and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to begin the day with you, with scripture, putting truth in my heart and in my mind, finding out what you say about me. Simple verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. He'll direct your path. You say, well, that can't be true. Try it. Isaiah 32, 17. And these are the things that people are looking for. The work of righteousness will be peace. So what does righteousness produce in your life? Peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. So what is righteousness? Being rightly related to God, living a righteous life, a holy life, a godly life. is simply saying, okay, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross, buried, raised from the dead. I want him to live in me. And if he lives in me, I want him to live through me. So that's going to mean me getting out of the way and almost like a garment, like a glove, let him put me on and live in my life. Live through my life. What do you think is going to happen then? He's going to do what he wants to do, go where he wants to go, say what he wants to say, and then he takes over. And you think that's not going to be peace? You say, well, what if people don't like me? You'll know why they don't like you. You're not trying to be offensive. You're just trying to let him live. They killed him. They didn't like him either. Marvel not that the world hates you. But the result of that kind of righteous living is you just take a deep breath and go, holy cow, why didn't I live this way my whole life? where you can breathe, where you can just like go, it's going to be okay, instead of this just ratcheted up anxiety all the time. John 16, verse 32. Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is in me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So you say, but he just says there, I'm going to have tribulation. But he's also said, I've overcome the world. So what is back into it? What is possible? In me you may have peace. So you get some situation hits you, some illness, some whatever it is. Spent some time just the other day with a couple. He's having some health issues. It takes a while to get settled down and get to the place where you say, okay, what is going on? And has God allowed this? Even if you brought it on yourself, this is where I am. And either God's going to ditch me or he's not, and he's not. So I can take a deep breath and say, Lord, I'm asking for this peace you describe for it to be present and carry me through this situation. And all of a sudden you take a deep breath and go, it's gonna be okay. It may not be okay, it's gonna be okay because he's got you. And that's either true or it isn't. 
Now, why would people not live that way? Why would people not live the way he intended? What can cause it? Anybody got any suggestions? Sin, fear, what else? Selfishness, disobedience, curiosity, good answer. So what I'm really asking is, what's your problem? What is it that keeps you from living this way? Honestly, I think sometimes people get addicted to anxiety. I don't want peace because this is how I function. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? You know, you stop asking what we're going to do now when you start with him. Because we're not going to do anything. We're going to do what he tells us to do. That's what we're going to do. So you take a deep breath and say, Lord, this is a doozy. Yeah, I know. Tribulation, whatever it is. So what are we going to do now, Lord? You're going to trust me. And then all of a sudden that peace comes over. You go, it's going to be okay. And then Lord, he goes, yeah, it's going to be okay. You allowed this, didn't you, Lord? Yeah, I allowed it. I brought this on myself, didn't I, Lord? Yeah, you did, but I allowed it anyway. So are we on the same page? And then you take a deep breath and go, okay, I get it. You love me. You're disciplining me. You're trying to get my attention. You're trying to teach me. Let's do it your way. And then you move forward. How do you lose your peace? You take your eyes off him. You start trusting in you. You start saying, I got to figure this out. This is my problem all of a sudden. Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So if you've been justified by faith, what do you have automatically? Peace with God. Now we'll get into this in a minute. The Bible talks about three things, at least three things. That he is the God of peace, we can have peace with God, and we can have the peace of God. But right here, he's saying this is how you get peace with God. Now, if you don't have peace with God, what do you have? What's the reverse? The opposite, enmity, war. Now, ask yourself this question. Are you at war with God? Have you taken God on? And people do this without knowing they're doing it. I say to somebody, so if you die, where you go? Well, I don't know. I, I, you know I'm gonna, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. But if I say, well, what about Jesus? Well, I don't need him. I'm going to get there my way. You've kind of declared war on God by saying, I don't need you, God. I'm going to fix this, and I'm going to get in your heaven my way. It doesn't work that way. So if you want peace with God, you have to go to God and say, okay, Lord, what's the problem? He says sin is the problem. And what did he do to rectify that? He says Jesus dies on a cross, pays for our sin, literally becomes sin for us. So now the war problem, the enmity problem has been resolved. And so I can come to him and say, so now I can have peace with you, right, God? He goes, yeah, you can have peace with me because of what Jesus did. Keep reading. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So people say, well, you're so narrow-minded. You think it's all about Jesus. You got no other way. There is no other way to solve your problems but Jesus. You say, but all these other world religions, they seem to have ways to solve it. If it's not Jesus, it's never going to work. You say, well, prove that. As soon as you die, I'll prove it. You go, oh, wow, there he's right. That's what it said. You say, well, all these people don't believe in Jesus. Where are they going to go? If you're so worried about that, become a missionary and move to Nicaragua or somewhere in Central America. A few pages over. Galatians 5. We keep coming back to this. Verse 22, this chapter talks about the flesh, the things that manifest when you're in the flesh, terrible stuff. But then he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. So if you're trying to figure out what the title is about, it's a piece of fruit, not P-I-E-C-E, P-E-A-C-E. It's piece of fruit. 
So in this fruit that is manifest by the Spirit, a piece of the fruit is peace. Now you say, well, how do I know if I'm walking in the Spirit? There's your list. How do I know it's working? Read the list. Is this my life? Love. My life is characterized, the fruit that is coming off the branches is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All that stuff is just bursting off the branches of my life. You're walking in the Spirit. But if you back up a few verses and read the other stuff, and that's what is manifest in your life, you are not, I am not walking in the Spirit. So how's your life going? And by the way, it's a singular, the fruit of the Spirit. It does not say the fruits of the Spirit. You can't pick and choose. When this tree gets planted and it starts growing and you're walking with God, this is the fruit that manifests. And it all comes. Amen. It all shows up. You say, well, I found one on here I'm kind of struggling with. Then there's a good chance you're walking in the flesh. Because when you're walking in the Spirit, it all comes. You say, well, I'm going to do it one thing at a time. It doesn't work that way. You get the Spirit, you get the fruit of the Spirit, you get all of it. So this is why it is such a dramatic thing when you meet someone who's walking in the Spirit, their life is exploding with this different kind of fruit and it's obvious to everybody. Now, this is what I don't recommend. Don't take your tree, your flesh tree, and go buy some artificial fruit and tape it to the branches. Oh, look at me. You can pull that off for a couple of hours in church, but you really can't. That doesn't last. That's what I was raised to do. Bowls of artificial fruit. So you get rightly aligned with God and your will is subject to his will. You have peace with God. So you're like, okay, I don't have to be afraid of God anymore. I don't have to be afraid of death anymore. So now what I got to do is just walk with him. Let him walk in me, through me, me stay in step with him. And this is all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. But what's coming next? Let me tell you how this works. So I'm in the car the other day. Rebecca and I go to the grocery store. And before I got out of the car, I keep some little cards in the car. I don't hand out enough of these, but I kind of lean toward the door, open the door, I'm getting out. I look down and saw one, and I promise you, I don't hear audible voices. Holy Spirit said, grab one. And I went, nah. And I made almost foot on the ground. I went, dude, are you crazy? You know that voice. Get the card. Like, get the card. So I get the card, put it in my pocket, go in the grocery store, going up and down these aisles. And we come down this aisle, and there's a woman stocking detergent. And for some reason, it, she's this extraordinary job she's doing. So I walk up behind this woman and am prompted to speak to her. So I get up behind her, I said, you're doing a great job. Zero acknowledgement. I'm literally standing behind this woman going, you're doing it. I'm like, oh, I'm obeying God, saying what I'm supposed to do to her. You're doing a great job. Keep stacking. No, I'm not even in the house. Not even in the building. So I'm like, well, that was odd. She's doing a great job. So I get a little past her and I look down at her and she kind of looks back and I said, try it again. I said, I'll try it again. I go, big smile. She looks at me, I go, you're doing a great job. And she says, and I'm not making fun. She said, thank you so much. She read my lips. She was deaf. She never heard me. So all of a sudden, face just lit up. You're doing a great job. Thank you. We talk, Lord, like, give her the card. I said, you're welcome. We have people that do sign interpretation. I'm like, I can do that, you know, like <laughs> moving my hands. I don't know what I said to her, but it was probably something terrible. Because um, <laughs> I don't speak that language. Don't try to sign to people you don't know how to sign. You just, you know, this looks like you're having a seizure, that's all. So what happens? Give her the card, invite her to church. You say, well, do you think she'll show up? That's not my problem. 
but I had an extraordinary exchange with an extraordinary woman who probably needed some encouragement and there she is and someone spoke to her and was patient with her because she was deaf and you know, what's all that about? I don't know, maybe her mom's been praying for her somewhere in the world and her kids are worried about her and the Holy Spirit sends somebody into the store and it's not about groceries, it's about her. That's how God cares about you. But God cares about other people in the same way and he's trying to mobilize you to be in their life the way all these people keep showing up in your life. And if you're not walking with him and you're not listening and you're pouting and angry and bitter and whatever you've come up with to stall your life out, you miss that stuff all week long. It's an extraordinary way to live. You say, well, is every day like that for you? Just all, oh yes, I'm holier than anyone you've ever met. (laughs) So what's the truth of the matter? You follow me 24-7, you'll find me in some potholes. Now, is it possible to walk in the Spirit and not feel the lust of the flesh? Yes, but you have to walk in the Spirit. One misstep, you're out. You say, what do you do? You confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you. Get back in step. But what the devil tells you is, what does he tell you? He says, oh, dude, you stumbled and fell. You're going to be down a couple months, you know. It's going to take a while for you to get back. You can't just get back. So while we're down here, you know, while we're down here, we might as well do some other stuff, right? Let's don't be jumping back up. Let's seize this opportunity to have a little fun because you're down anyway. Look what's down here. (laughs) Instead of bouncing back and saying, no. Why is it so important to have people with you? Because when you go down, somebody reaches down and says, hey, dude, here, help you up. You fall by yourself, you just, you're just down. You go down with somebody, two, better than one, three-stranded cord, not easily broken. Jesus never sent them out by themselves, two by two. Okay, we're getting close to the next verse. Ephesians chapter two. I won't read this whole deal, just let me go down. Verse 14, it says it. For he himself is our peace. So you say, well, what is peace? Peace is a person. You say, well, I thought it was the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is a person. This is all a person. It's people. It's him. It's God. So you get rightly connected to him, and all of a sudden he's manifesting himself in your life. You can't come up with anything but peace. That's what he is. That's who he is. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, or this war that rages, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Philippians chapter 4. Do a couple more and we're done. Philippians chapter 4. This is written to Christians, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Iodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, 
and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So he says, do not be anxious. But what do you do if you're not going to be anxious? Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts. By the way, if you, let me read this in the amplified Bible. It's louder. So just, um, terrible jokes. I'm so sorry. Philippians four. So I'm going to read it. And then they got explanation in parentheses. So listen. And God's peace, down verse 7, and God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that word guard or keep is literally like mounting a guard in a garrison and protecting a place. So when you go to him with your stuff and you say, Lord, I trust you, I am not going to live an anxious life. Then all of a sudden he says, I got this. I'm going to protect this peace. And you go, this is mind boggling. This is beyond anything that I could ever begin to quantify or explain. It doesn't even make sense. How can I have so much peace when I was so anxious before about this situation? Because he promises to do what he does. So what's your situation? What are you so worked up about? What are you so anxious about? Take it to him. Don't be anxious. He says, be anxious for nothing. So Lord, I'm not carrying this anymore. I'm not going to feel this way anymore, am I? No, give it to me. Talk to me about it. Prayer, supplication, thank me that I'm going to take care of it and just leave it alone. You say, but how will I know if I got the peace? Let me tell you something. You get peace, you know you got peace. Because the peace described here, it'll blow your mind. Last one, Colossians chapter 3. And let's go down to verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Interesting how that compares with that fruit of the Spirit passage. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule, and this word rule means govern or prevail in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule. Let it rule, reign in your heart, in your life. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. I lived so many years from zero to negative 100. I can't go back. I can't go back. That almost killed me. 
anxious all the time, biting my nails to the quick so that I could feel something. My whole life was run by, by just fear and anxiety and, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? You can't live that way. It'll kill you. And then all of a sudden, somebody explained to me that Jesus was my peace. And you take a deep breath and go, I have peace with God because the peace of God, you know, all these things are available to me. Like, I don't have to live that way anymore. Now, so you say, well, you got to zero and you cross the line. You're over here living in peace. But every once in a while, the devil tricks me back to zero and gets me peeking in over the line. And then we have a conversation. And I don't say this lightly, so please don't write me letters. But for me... When I feel that undertow, temptation, sin, I'm going back, and I look back to where I came from, hell no. Literally, to hell, no. No. You burned up too much of my life over here. I am not going back over here. And you say, well, I haven't even gotten out so that I could look back in and say that. Then get out. You say, I got no way to get out. Get you some Jesus first. You get Jesus, you get peace. And if you've got him then do whatever you got to do. Confess what you got to confess. Give up what you got to give up. If you're a Christian and you have no peace, he is going to ratchet that up more and more and more to get your attention, to cause you to come to him and say, I can't do this without him. I get that. I'm allowing all this stuff to happen to get you to come back to me because I am your peace. Yeah, I can't go back. It'd kill me. Don't go back. There's nothing back there. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.